Is the Trump administration trying to slam the courthouse doors on immigrants seeking asylum? The latest move by the administration is being called unprecedented, a violation of judicial independence, and an attempt to stack the deck against immigrants by advocates of immigration reform. The Justice Department is taking steps to impose quotas or numeric performance standards on federal immigration judges, according to the Washington Post. Last Thursday, in a speech to immigration officials, Attorney General Jeff Sessions said there's rampant fraud and abuse in the policies that let immigrants seek asylum in the U.S. We also have dirty immigration lawyers who are encouraging their clients, otherwise unlawfully present in the United States, to make claims of asylum, providing them with the magic words needed to trigger the credible fear process. Sessions said there's a backlog of more than 600,000 immigration cases pending, triple the number of cases in 2009. Joining us are David Beer, an immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute, and Leon Fresco, a partner at Holland and Knight. Leon, let's start with immigration judges. How are they appointed and how are their roles different from that of other federal judges? Sure. Immigration judges go through a three-step hiring process where in step one, they just, you know, they put in an electronic application and they have to meet certain metrics, certain amount of years that they are uh, an attorney, uh, but they don't have to actually have any immigration background. Then that is vetted electronically. A list of, you know, a few attorneys is given. They're interviewed by the Department of Justice. And then one candidate emerges who then is either vetoed or uh, approved by the attorney general. And so these are all uh, employees of the Department of Justice. They'll go through the Article Three confirmation process that a normal federal judge would go through. David, these performance metrics are, to, to the extent they ever get developed, are supposed to be in a response to the backlog of cases in, in these uh, tribunals. How did this backlog end up happening? Well, the attorney general is is definitely right that decreases in productivity in the immigration courts explain the backlog in cases. Uh, Each immigration judge is completing just 60% as many cases each year, uh, or at least in 2015 they were, as they were in 2005. So there's been a huge decrease in the number of cases that they're completing. Um, But he's wrong to blame asylum seekers for that problem. Uh, Almost all of the decline in productivity happened before the surge in asylum seekers, uh, which started in in 2014. So um, the reason why is – more deeply in terms of why they are being less productive is not clear. Um, the you know best explanations that I've found looking at all of the numbers that you can get from the immigration courts is that uh, there are more uh, difficult cases today. The law has become more complicated, and uh, there are more Im- immigration attorneys involved, uh, but later in the process. So you have continuances being issued to allow immigrants to get attorneys, and that lengthens the process, and then the the attorneys ultimately help finish the cases quicker. Uh, so uh, one re- reform could be to allow the immigration attorneys to be appointed uh, by the court at the very start of the process uh, rather than later on. So 
Leon, as David said, some of these asylum cases are complex. Sometimes immigrants have to represent themselves, and they require more than one court appearance. Could evaluating judges based on the number of cases they hear or some kind of metric formula affect the fairness of the proceeding and the law that guarantees due process? Uh, yes, and in fact, I, I'll add some context to what David said, which is that the reason this productivity has gone down has been because the judges, whose decisions are ultimately reviewed by the various federal courts of appeals around the country, have seen their cases be reversed over the course of the last 10 years as the federal courts of appeals have added more standards and safeguards that these proceedings need to have in terms of giving people time to find counsel, uh, giving people time to find witnesses, allowing those witnesses to testify, allowing corroborating evidence to be introduced. And when judges try to cut off that process, this is actually going to turn out to be a, uh, uh, an exercise in cutting off one's nose to spite their face because they may get an initial upsurge in decisions only to find that all of those decisions end up getting reversed by the courts of appeals and then they have to start over again. And so this, I think, is a fool's errand to try to expand these cases, to try to expedite these cases any faster than they're going, rather than trying to find more immigration judges. And as David points out, don't give people an excuse to ask for continuances. Appoint counsel immediately so that you don't spend three, four months uh, trying to find an attorney. David, in about 30 seconds, can the Justice Department simply impose performance standards here? Yes, absolutely. Immigration judges serve at the discretion of the attorney general, so ultimately it's his decision how he wants to run the immigration courts. Leon, it's unusual to think of judges as being in a union, but the immigration judges union has a contract with the government. And from what I've read, it prohibits judges from being rated based on how many cases they resolve or how quickly they resolve them. Is that what your knowledge of it is? And is that yes. going to be a problem? Yes, that's correct, June. What happened is that because these judges, again, are not Article Three judges, they're just employees of the Department of Justice. They actually have a National Association of Immigration Judges. And the president of the union was a judge named Judge Marks for many, many years. She just came off the bench. And she was, she has been the most prominent, uh, person against these, uh, standards because these were things that had been put in originally under the Bush administration. And so she had collectively bargained a, a new deal that had taken these standards out during the time of the Obama administration. And so now, yes, I would have to be collectively rebargained if they're going to, uh, do it again or they could file a grievance, uh, with the Merit Systems Performance Board and it becomes a gigantic, uh, sore spot to try to get any of this done. So, and so the, the point being that uh, a lot of this will have to be done through sort of persuasion rather than through compulsion. So, David, what would, if, if the Justice Department were to come up with some kind of rational uh, version of, a perform, of performance standards for judges, what would it look like? Well, look, it's it's really difficult to know without very detailed um, analysis of how these decisions are being made to really extend cases. Uh, so right now you have a decrease in the number of completions and an increase in the number of continuances, and you'd really have to dig in 
detail into how uh, each one of these decisions are being made. And as Leon said earlier, uh, a lot of these decisions are being made based on whether someone has counsel or needs to find a witness. Sometimes they're initiated by the government as well. So the longest delays actually occur when the government needs to do research uh, or obtain information in order to uh, rebut a claim or confirm a claim uh, that's being made in the court. So uh, you, you can't. That's why it's it's a bad idea to impose these types of standards because it is so complex, and each individual case is going to be uh, so different. So, Leon, I want your reaction to this. I read that guidance sent from the Justice Department to immigration judges in July discourages them from being too lenient in allowing immigrants to reschedule their hearings to a later date while evidence is being gathered. Right. I mean, look, this is one of the efforts that this administration is going to try to make, is to try to make a tighter frame on the continuances. And look, there are certainly, there are certain, nothing is perfect. And I have been one of these people for years who have said that the immigration court system is badly in need of hiring some type of McKinsey or, you know, other consulting firms to help uh, manage its scheduling processes. Having said that, I think that only gets you a very marginal return here. That's not get, that might get your caseload down from 600,000 to 575,000 or something like that. But a lot of this is not going to be based on the, uh, you know, if you move up a continuance from one month to three weeks, you're not going to really get the kind of yield that, that, that the attorney general is actually really talking about here. David, in about a minute, the, you know, the uh, the administration wants these standards. They're trying to get tougher on immigrants. Immigration advocates are against these standards. They obviously want to preserve things for people who are in detention. Is there a way to put performance standards in neutrally, or is it inevitably going to favor one side or the other? Ultimately, continuances typically benefit the immigrant more than they benefit the government because any any delay allows you not only more time in the U.S. if your claim is, is a poor one, but also the ability to gather more evidence and uh, present a better argument to the court. And look, these, these this uh, intrusion into the immigration courts is not a new thing either. The Obama administra- administration did the same thing in 2014 in response to the child migrant crisis, prioritizing child migrant cases. That actually didn't work at all. Uh, ultimately, it's just slowed down the process, and, and uh, all of those kids got continuances and in order to find attorneys and, and present their claims anyway. So uh, we've seen this type of intrusion before. It hasn't worked in the past. Uh, really, you do need to keep the independence of the courts. I want to thank you both, as always, for being with us here on Bloomberg Law. That's David Beer, immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute, and Leon Fresco, a partner at Holland & Knight. 